This episode is dedicated to the memory of Heather Heyer. Rest in peace. Welcome to Truth's Table, Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm McKemini. I'm Michelle. And I'm Christina. This table is built by Black women and for Black women. So welcome to the table, sisters. How y'all doing? Well. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Mm-hmm. Well, I am angry today. I am mm-hmm. angry. I am. I, I was just talking to you. Um, a dear friend of mine, and we were talking about how over last weekend, it it almost feels like in the household of faith, just for mm-hmm. a minute, can we just, mm-hmm. can we just talk to the people Park in the house? There. Park there. Mm-hmm. In the household of faith, it's been harder to deal with going to church on well. Sunday and waking up and reading your emails or your Facebook posts and blogs on Monday it's harder to do that than it has been to deal with, to denounce, to face what happened in Charlottesville. And, and that is disturbing to me. That is disturbing. Like my Sunday through today has been, I mean, forget the president calling terrorism beautiful. Forget that. Um, mm. Let's talk about how the household of faith is exchanging warnings and we're treating each other like terrorists. That's, that's been the hard thing for me. Mm. Sorry, I just went there, mm. but I am furious yeah, right now. I am real. mad. It's real. It's real right now. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot, and and as yeah, it's just forget the agenda. We gonna we gonna get to what we gonna get to by God's grace. But mm-hmm. this matters and it's important. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about how about you? See where you at, girl? Mm. I am moving between. Uh, Trauma, laughter, numbness, mm-hmm. anger, uh, deep disappointment and frustration, um, all in all within a in one hour span. I could move through right. All those <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of where I am. I mean, I've I've had to set up some um, some pretty strong self self care boundaries in the last mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. Um, here in the city where I am, we we uh, just did um, kind of a city prayer event with some local churches that got together, mm-hmm. and I helped to co-facilitate that. And um, so it was like a night of worship. I mean, it was beautiful to see people literally flat on their faces, um, crying and worshiping, repenting, um, pleading with God to destroy um, the wickedness of uh, bigotry in our hearts, but in... Um, our neighbors' hearts and in our country and in our world, and specifically calling out white supremacy and uh, acknowledging um, it being under the, f- you know, the, the feet of our Lord. So um, coming out of that, um, I've just been I've just been trying to notice myself and trying to stay healthy. You know, trying mm-hmm. to my body is what lets me know like I'm done. So I was sick for a couple days, and um, yeah, and I think I think certainly it's because of you know, being grieved by a lot of what Michelle just described too. I think, you know, I have partic- I have different expectations of the world than I do of the church. Mm-hmm. And um, as somebody who's like trained in secular context, who's worked in secular spaces, um, I just have a whole different way of thinking about those places. And in some ways I'm better prepared to negotiate in secular context. It is the church, it is the, the brothers and sisters of faith who I think leave me the most um, wrecked Mm-hmm. by the lack of um, basic Sunday school, preschool level kindness that you are taught, um, caring about someone hurting themselves, someone being sad. Like I'm talking about basic level that my right. six-year-old knows. That is the part that is, I think, paining me the most. Um, and then also the reality of just, you know, the danger. Like I, and, and, you know, of course, there's other frustration too, which we've all talked about, which is that some of us have said this for some time now. That's we've right. said for years now that yeah. this is what was going to happen. Like we said it directly. We said it in, we said it gently. We said it in every kind of way possible. 
And people thought we were playing, or they just completely disrespected us, which is which is which well, is. They don't hear us because well, they don't women. hear us, right? Um, and but this is not new, and and it wasn't just like we need to look at this differently because I want you to care solely about black people, or I want you solely to care about women, or solely care about poor people. No, it's in your best interest. That's right. That you not hate and disrespect and ignore your neighbor. Because um, eventually it will come for you. So I feel like we're at a place right now where that unchecked hatred, because you can't control it, is is going. To, it has the capacity to come for the people who just simply acted lo- in a way that showed no love and recklessly. Um, so yes, I'm I'm grieved by that. I don't want them to experience that. Um, although I I do think that sometimes empathy has to be learned through suffering. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about you? E? Uh, I am, uh, yeah, I'm not doing well. I mean, I've been going in and out, up and down, you know, um, on this emotional roller coaster, and it's just been really hard, you know, and I've been, this week I've been trying to reclaim my time, but you know, it's harder to reclaim, (laughs) it's harder to reclaim the pain. I mean, really, I, I, I found it hard to reclaim the pain. Um, the pain from the 81%, the pain from the 53%, the pain from the um, uh, the 13%. Um, and if you don't know, go look up them stats. I can tell you every demographic for them. I'm going to let y'all do the work. Uh, the pain from the, the purists on the left and the right who, who just could not make the right choice in that booth. Yeah. Uh-huh. Come on. I can't. Come on. I, I just cannot. You know, and it, it it really is um it's it's troubling me, and it's it's really painful. You know, and I, I just I don't know. I, I'm really tired. I I do not know, and I've I'm I don't recall ever begging Jesus Christ to come back the yeah. way I have been under this regime, and it's yeah. stressful. And to know that this is only the tip of the iceberg, I just don't know. I don't know. I I, I don't I. I do not know. I don't know. I don't know how uh, the Trumps or 45 CEO council can be disbanded, but the the evangelical council has not. Actually, I do know. Oh, yeah. yeah because white supremacy is, is, is just, that's their idol, you know? Um, but it's just, it's just so sad. And I just don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know how God's going to get the glory. I know he will, but I don't know how. You know, and I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I believe in the Lord. I ain't got the answers, y'all. I'm, I just don't have the answers right now. I, don't, right. I ain't got. I can't d- dig into this deep well of prophetic. I don't have it right now. I ain't got a word from the Lord yet. So, but right. I am seeking, trust and believe. But I ain't got. I don't have the word right now. I don't. All I know is I'm trying to reclaim my pain, and it's just it's hard. So I'm I'm bringing it before the Lord, but I'm tired. I am tired and worn out. I mean. So I, yeah, I don't know. I just and I, I mean I guess we're going to we're going to talk about this function, you know, of of, of white supremacy because we promise mm-hmm. our listeners we're going to do what we said we're going to do <laughs> for like five months. We, we gonna get we got we're going to do what we said we was going to do because we need to be women of our word, you know. <laughs> but it's hard now. But I will say y'all need to go back and listen to res- the resistance Absolutely. series. That was how we started out. Okay, yeah. so y'all knew what time it was and you knew what this table was about resistance so go back to that there was a three-part series on on resistance what it is we yeah. need to you know be able to anchor ourselves and locate ourselves so i gotta go back and listen myself okay because yeah. yeah. i'm like i ain't got the words and so and then, yeah. and then you can also listen to strange fruit i would say i mean i don't know any other oh, episodes wow. y'all recognize i mean you, any other ones you guys would recommend i mean i both i think those are the ones i'm thinking anyway yeah, yeah, and you, you, as you were talking to Kimmy, like just the, just the level of just weariness and sadness is mm. just, it's thick. Yeah. And, um, hmm. I, I am also disturbed. I know this ain't off topic, but I'm just gonna have to put this right here. Come on, see. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. also disturbed by the pitting of yeah. believers against each other. Absolutely. Come on. As Go if there. the gospel does not have embodied civil implications. Yep. Hello. And I am done with the Hello. foolish semantics Come of, on. well, you know, is that rooted in the gospel? Don't don't check me ever. 
Yes, uh, what's rooted in the gospel because Amen. the fact that I'm having this conversation with you and I'm turning the other cheek yeah. is because of what Christ has done for me on. on the cross. Come I don't on, need pep talks on whether justice and loving my neighbor is rooted in the gospel. Jesus already said that verbatim, read the red font in the New Testament. Come on, so girl. I'm exhausted on, with the pitting of believers against each other and the, and the and the vying for the white gaze yes. and the white approval come on it's it's just it's so exhausting it's so wicked we don't have time for it and by the way i'm a social scientist and i can talk about social sciences as mm. a christian uh-oh I could talk about that every day, every oh. week. I could publish on that one topic. That doesn't mean I'm off-centered from the gospel. I feel my help. Mm-mm. I'm just so, conf- I'm so, I'm so disheartened. And th- the spiritual blindness, and that's really what it is, that people can't see how Come they're on. being used and manipulated yeah. to throw us off. Now is not the time. Now is not the time for black Say Christians that. Come to on. be turning or white or whoever to yeah, be turning yeah. against each other wake Come up on. can you not yep. see the enemy in the camp can you mm-hmm. not see that you are being used can you not see that th- that that is a principality in play oh my goodness so that's what I, that's what i'm exa- i am gre- i am so grieved by that i'm so grieved by this who's holier who's more uh-oh. righteous because uh-oh. because i don't mention racism that means that i love jesus more what come through so that, that is exhausting me right now. That is yeah. grieving me. Right, and that grieves me more, particularly amongst people of color, yeah. than it does amongst majority oh, people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That this game ought to be played. What, what are we doing? The shenanigans. The shenanigans. We talked about this. We talked yeah. about this in Sunken Place For West. For real. We talked For real. About- it is so, it's so harmful. It's, it's so harmful. It's so harmful. We're drowning in the proof. Stop it. We're drowning in the proof. For what? Seriously. For, what? for, for crumbs from getting? the master's table? From master's getting? table, really? That's Y'all why. I saw that Republican uh, pundit on Fox weeping. Because the brother woke up and weeping. realized his president he loves so much, oh, actually is a benefactor of the supremacist heritage. Oh, you didn't, you didn't realize that when you went to bed, my friend? And he voted for up and realized that 45 is not only a benefactor, but a lover of one who glorifies the heritage of the false history of the United States. And we talking about rewriting history. Let me tell you what we need to rewrite right now. The truth, the truth is that not only is the history of the United States a complete lie, the only way the history, that lie of history, could continue, the only way that slavery could last so long is that it was directly connected not only to morality, but to Christian theology that happens to be completely Uh anti-Christian. Which is baptizing capitalism. I mean, there's no other way. Uh No other way. So we got black folk all over the place waking up in chains. And because the chains are lined with I don't know, fuzzy fabric or they, they feel pretty. Your chains are, are golden. So you don't know that you a slave. Boy. Help us. Help us. America, you must be born again. Mm. I mean, the 34th chapter of Ezekiel says, go out and tell the leaders of my flock, say this to them. I'm walking amongst you. I'm looking, I'm looking at all of my sheep and I don't see a shepherd, Mm. not a one. You're there. I know you're there, but I can't see you. You've made yourselves invisible by fattening yourselves. You've Mm. made yourselves invisible by starving the people who bring their gifts into my tabernacle. The shepherds care only about filling their own bellies their own coffers and making their own names great. And every person in the household of faith who turns away, not just from quote unquote, the least of these, but the sheer truth, just the truth, the reality that we can touch. When we turn away from the truth, 
And we do so much risk assessment that we've forgotten what it's like to be at risk. God is going to require our flocks of us. And we have to stop acting like chasing after the white man's money and trying to kiss somebody's behind just to get ahead is not incinerating our souls. Mm-hmm. It's making mm-hmm. us invisible. Mm-hmm. And the Lord said, Ezekiel, I'm going to show up. And I'm going to take my flock back to myself. Mm. And I can promise y'all the same thing we've been saying for four years. I can promise you the Lord is coming and he is looking for all of the marginalized people who sought his face in tabernacles built to worship white Jesus, who's actually just Mm -hmm. the devil. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, Mm -hmm. white Jesus Mm -hmm. is really just Satan. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. The Lord is coming and he will require his flock out of our hands. And that day has come. And we should all be fearful and trembling. Not afraid to face down the devil with white skin on. Hmm. But afraid of the God who will tell us, I gave you my word. I gave you the truth. You ignored it still because you wanted only to feed yourselves. Yeah. Mm. I mean, this is about, this is about crumbs. Yes. This is about. That won't pass through the fire. The antithesis of satisfaction. The antithesis of sustenance. A couple of dollars. This is about. Cotton that we picked and turned it. Come on. Mm -hmm. Come on. This is about a couple of dollars. Help us, Lord. A platform. Yeah, and we're not, and we're, and, and what, and what I've seen, we're not ready for persecution. No, this church, no. the church in America, is not ready Help us for God. persecution. It's just not ready. It's not ready. It's fear. It is. We people, love people, too much. You know, I, yeah, I, I, unbelievers will critique the church because they feel like the church is too judgmental, right? Come on. Or they'll critique the church because they feel like the church is hypocritical. That's not the that's not the problem with the American church. I mean, that's certainly we can we can go there, but that mm-hmm. ain't the core problem. The core problem is cowardness. Yes. That yeah. is that is at the bottom. Which is the sin before God. That's at the bottom. That's that mm-hmm. that's that's our biggest issue right now mm-hmm. is that we yeah. are. We are cowardly, and that cowardliness shows up in oppression. Yes. We're cowardly in an inability to forgive, because that's also yeah. powerful too, right? Mm-hmm. These mm-hmm. are all things that prop us up to give us a that's false right. sense of power. But it's yeah. right now that's that's what we're marked by is cowardliness, and the perfect love of Jesus Christ. We have to plead for that perfect love to fill us. We have to plead for that perfect love to fill our churches, to fill our testimony, to to fill our online witness, our offline witness, to to fill our advocacy in the streets and our our spheres of influence. We have to plead for that perfect love to permeate that we are a people that are just, we we should be, to unbelievers should be like, man, I'm freaking out. But those yeah. Christians, they still got joy. They still got love. They still got each other. They still, they still got compassion for each other. Huh. Look at them. And yeah. that's, not, that's, not, that's not our witness right now, y'all. And no. the ones who, some of us want to achieve that through acting and pretending yeah. like nothing is wrong. They're just like, if you just don't talk about it, then we can look like we get along. That, right. that ain't going to do it either. Help us, Lord. I will Thank never you. understand why people with such a deep regard for a confessional lifestyle, a lifestyle of repentance, more than any theological viewpoint I have ever seen. And y'all know my family done run the gamut of denominations. I mean, more than any framework of theology, of ecclesiology I've ever seen. The most conservative evangelicals pride themselves on being apologetic. And that might be the problem right there. When you wear your selective failures on your sleeve, you think you are protected from confessing your actual heinous crimes. Mm. If only perfect love (laughs) casts out our fear of telling the truth. If only perfect love casts out our fear of repentance. If only. 
Yeah. And, okay. and have we asked the question? Have we asked mm -hmm. the God of the Bible, mm -hmm. the creator of the universe? Have we asked the Lord, show me that yeah. which I need to repent of? Come yeah. on. Show me the thing that I don't even want to search scriptures about. Show me the thing that I stuff my ears when I hear sermons about it. Show mm -hmm. me the thing that, that irritates me and grieves me and I flip the station. And, and show mm -hmm. me that thing. Show me that, Lord. And break me, Lord. And yes. break me. Make me want to give it up. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying nothing that I have not had to ask myself Amen. consistently. Amen. Consistently. Mm -hmm. This mm -hmm. year, consistently show me that thing. And that thing for me has been a, a persistent uh, struggle to forgive, a persistent yeah. gripping struggle That's right. to forgive, an entitlement to say, no, 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 because they're going to do it again. No, 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 no. Because they, no. they're going to do it again. That's right. Because they're wicked and they mean. That's right. But they think they're and, super religious, you know? Yeah. And this is what this is what I really appreciate about Akimini saying too, and oh my God, if we don't segue. <laughs> but this is what I really appreciate. I, I, I'm looking <laughs> at and I'm thinking about the the repetitive nature of the Holy Spirit of God. Mm -hmm. And I just really quickly, I'm going to attempt to do this without weeping, but I really quickly want to talk to the people at our table who yeah, whose places yeah. have been set and who are saying, y'all, they just out there nodding or weeping or waving the handkerchief. God knows I was standing up doing the slow clap when Christina was preaching a minute ago. Mm -hmm. But uh, listen, I want you to look at the repetitive nature, not only of God's warnings, but of his worship. Mm. His mercy endures forever. His mm. mercy endures Amen. forever. He is good. He is Amen. good. The Lord, the Lord. Holy, mm. holy, holy, holy. Look holy. at how much the Lord has to remind us of how powerful he is. And we would already agree that he is. Mm -hmm. And yes. then look at how often he has to say, y'all, I'm right here. Come and reason with me. I mean, half of the whole testament is you killing yourselves. Oh, Israel. Oh, Israel. Why would you die? It pains yeah. the Lord to see the perishing of the wicked. It pains him. But he who would turn from his wickedness and participate in justice. Y'all, I'm quoting the ESV, so I know I'm safe. <laughs> the wicked, if the wicked would turn and stop participating <laughs> in injustice, all of his sins would be forgotten. Oh, my God. I don't understand how much no, more repetitive that's not, we that's have. That's not what that says. That's not. No, 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 no. That's, that can't be what that says. Right, right, exactly. That can't be what that says. No, no, no. Help us, Lord. Help us, God. And so I want our people to hear us, y'all. Please hear us. You are not a broken record. The more you repeat it, the more you say it, the more you are living in the determination of the word of God because the word of God repeats and repeats and shows receipts. Yeah, so amen. don't, don't, don't get too tired. Don't get weary and well-doing because you living like Jesus. He had to say the same thing a thousand times yeah. and he was God. Yeah. So let's continue on that road. Yeah. Yeah. And, on, and then on this side of glory, it will be hope and lament. That's on this right. side of glory is hope and lament every day. We're talking yeah. about racism yeah. here, but we can talk about, we, we could go down the line. Right. But right, right now we can't play games and act like we're not in bondage mm -hmm. this country to mm -hmm. racial sin we have That's to be right. honest about that so we can try to distract by bringing up other sins because we think it's going to allow for us to not deal with this one that's fine oh, right. but let's be sure to continue to put this one on the table because it's a it, it is destroying it's an idol that is that is trying to kill the to kill the testimony yeah. of the church and we should be united and wanting yeah. to push back on that yeah, 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 and I, and I just cry out to God, God, give us, let the, the spirit of the sons of Ishakar just fall upon us, oh God, so that we, we would know the times, oh God, and what to do. We, we need you, we need you, and we cannot make it without you. Keep us, each of us, all of us, from turning to broken cisterns that can never, ever, ever satisfy us and help us to look to you. Yep. Oh God, only you have the answers. You hold our world in your hands, oh God. Yes. Ugh, and we just pray, Father, that you, you, oh God, would just get the glory, oh God, that you, judgment does start in the house of the Lord, oh God. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're witnessing, oh God, and it's hard. Uh, but keep us anchored, really, in your word. Keep us anchored, oh Lord God, 
um, in the reality, oh God, that, that you do all things well and that you are the judge of the earth and you shall do right no matter what, regardless, oh God. So, so we're trusting in you, God, and we just, we just pray. We, we pray, oh God, mm -hmm. for, for everybody on the ground. We pray for the activists, oh God, that you yes, would strengthen Lord. and keep them, oh God, yes. and cover them. We pray, Father God, for this nation, oh God, that you would keep us, Father, from tearing each other apart. In the name. That you would prevent, stay the hand of evil and keep North Korea from bombing us, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, And keep Lord. Russia at bay, God. Would you do it, Lord? Mm. Mm. God, rain down your peace, mm -hmm. rain down your mercy, rain yes. down your joy. In the name of Your Jesus. kingdom has already come, oh God. But God, we need to see a glimpse of it now. We need Thank to see Lord. more of it, God, now. And we know it has not yet come fully been realized yet, but God, we need to see some measure of it really come in the past, oh Lord. So let your justice reign in this land, oh God. Turn the hand, the heart, oh God, of the king. Oh God, it's in your hand. Please, Lord. It is Thank in your you hand, Lord. God. Thank and I just pray, Father, for the salvation of Trump. And I pray for the Amen. salvation of everybody else in that regime. God, would you do it? Yes. Oh God, would you get the glory, Lord? Thank you, I Lord. just pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Well, I mean, I don't know. This, this, this wasn't the plan, but... <laughs> said otherwise so we got we just gotta follow we gotta do it so uh, it's not not as if we're we're not going to an easier topic so i mean I know. So, oh, um, I know. but you but know I, what okay, but, I like, ahead, I, but i do like how we have um we've been talking about colorism yes. and, yeah. and mm -hmm. i just mm -hmm. What happened on Twitter just recently, kind of our our first opportunity to do that true tea. Um, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was just, that was amazing. I was really encouraged, and I hope the people who got to participate were also yeah. encouraged by that. Shout out to our, our, our more yes. than capable intern who um, helped us with that idea and to execute those things. So, yeah, so um, I, hope, I hope people were blessed by it. Yeah, no, that was fun. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. True tea was, it was, you know what? I was kind of nervous because I was like, oh, this was a traumatizing topic, but for some, but there was community and fellowship in that. And so, uh, so that really did bless my, my life. I have to say, I would, did not expect like to come out of that refreshed, but it was refreshing. And I got messages from people saying the same thing. So that was great. So thank y'all for joining us and join us mm -hmm. next month for our next topic and we'll just keep it moving. So well, y'all already know we had color colorism last week. And so we are continuing with colorism part two. Sorry, we don't have a creative title <laughs> for it. <laughs> colorism, okay, all okay. right. That's what it is, uh, 2.0. That's what it is. Yeah. Colorism part two. <laughs> so that's on the table. Why don't I go over the definition from last week just to refresh your memory, people. Mm -hmm. um, so the, co the colorism definition that I uh, came up with is discrimination and prejudice based on skin tone, privileges and advantages are conferred to those with light skin while those with dark skin are disadvantaged. Now I want to add in Dr. Ibrahim Kendi's um, own definition of colorism as well. And he describes colorism in this way. Colorism, like all forms of racism, rationalizes color inequities with racist ideas by claiming the, inequ the inequities between dark and light skinned people are not due to discrimination against dark skinned people, but the inferiorities of dark skinned people, which we mm. know is alive from the pit of hell. Mm -hmm. So, so this time around, you know, the first time it was more anecdotal. We're talking about our own personal experiences with colorism, which I'm pretty sure we traumatized every our <laughs> listeners last week. I know I did. Yeah. I have very traumatizing stories. Uh, yeah, um, for sure. <laughs> sorry, y'all. And I didn't even give y'all all the stories. Uh, I, I, just, I, just, 
I just go spare y'all. It was enough. Everybody's like, oh my gosh, she hated herself. Uh, yes, I love myself now, but. Um, Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, so this time, right. I was like, come on, Lord, help me. Reclaim it. Reclaim it. Uh, <laughs> Reclaim your beauty. Reclaiming my beauty. It's That's mine. Right. Uh, so this time we're coming with some receipts, guys. So we want to talk more about the global, historical, sociological. We can do this. This is good. The sciences are, social sciences are a good thing. So let's let's delve into that. Uh, so yeah, so we just want to talk about that. Now, Christina, I know you had some thoughts and some insights on the global impact um, of colorism and, uh, yeah. and, yeah. well, and, I, and its reach, really. Yeah, in many ways, when we think about colorism in our kind of our American context, rightfully so, we're going to think about the impact of the transatlantic slave trade sure. and the um, really the the very intentional decision process to demarcate people based on skin color, right, for mm -hmm. property purposes, and how that creates this hierarchy. And then certainly we have um, people what we would now refer to as biracial people, um, mm -hmm. many a product of of, of rape culture enslaved people and then just these just kind of different hierarchies of, of skin color that get created in the United States. But even before the transatlantic slave trade um, in this kind of modern era, we have seen throughout kind of global society um, preferences and characteristics and privileges being attached to one's complexion, uh, the color of one's complexion, right? right, right. And so this is why we can look and look all around the world, right? We can look in India, we can look in uh, Brazil, we can look in Mexico. We can see, uh, we can see just all around the world the, the 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 implications of this idea of what we're calling today, you know, colorism. Uh, what has happened uh, historically in societies is that the the darker the skin was an indication of the type of work that people endured. So mm -hmm. while largely when we're thinking about colorism today, and rightfully so, we're talking about racism, but there's this historical and global elitism component, right? So whereas the people with the uh, darker skin tone were outworking, right? Yeah. So they had more, yeah. they had more <laughs> contact with the sun. Mm -hmm. And it became very obvious that the, the paler, the fairer, the lighter the skin, um, that that was an indication of wealth and privilege, mm -hmm. and the darker and the more sun-kissed the skin was an indication of a person who was working out in the fields or was a person who was uh, an indentured servant or potentially an enslaved person or whatever the category might have been in that cultural context. So throughout time, this is across continents, we started to have a sense of where skin color became an, a demarcation of elitism and social category. Now, of course, the United States, we got a way of just perfecting stuff, crazy okay. stuff, and taking it to a whole new level. <laughs> perfecting wickedness. Oh, I mean, we took it to a whole new level in these streets. But, but I just wanted to speak to the fact that um, that's been the case kind of all around the world. One of the differences that we look at the United States is that we see um, something called, remember the, the one drop rule? And yeah. so yeah. the one drop rule, it plays out differently across, you know, across the world. So if you look at a, a, a culture and country like Brazil, so Brazil and maybe even South Africa, other parts of the world where people uh, might have a different category besides being known as a black person, right? Because they are a person ha who has um, indigenous uh, ancestry, European ancestry, as well as African ancestry. So they might be categorized differently because of what they look like. In the mm -hmm. United States, we have a diversity of what we, of what African-American people look like. And because of the influence of the one drop rule, we don't do a categorization in the same way they do. So I know people who are Panamanian and Brazilian, same, same mother and father, and they will say that one sibling is black and they are not. Mm -hmm. And as a black American, I hear that and I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, like, are your mom and daddy black? You black? <laughs> like, what are you talking about, right? Because right. we, we still operate under the kind of the, the one drop rule philosophy yep. in the state. Yeah. And so that's, that's, that's an odd, really, really odd categorization, I think, for hitting an American ear. Um, but, but you can see that in other places, like particularly places like Brazil, where you have mm. people who have similar ancestry, oh, yeah. but oh, they, yeah. but they look different. And because yeah. of because of what they look like, they are living into a different categorization, not necessarily based on um, genetic background and, f and actual mm -hmm. familial connection. 
So I just wanted to throw that out there to give some context, kind of the kind of a more worldview, the elitism element, how it plays out in our unique American context and what it might look like in South Africa or Brazil or in India and other parts of the world. Now, yeah, I'm glad you laid that down um, because I think it's important for people to understand the reach, the global magnitude. Um, mm-hmm. We know that white supremacy is, you know, it's a um, global project. We know that. Um, but I, actually, there was a, an article that was written by Lester Davids for the uh, International Business Times, and it was called Skin Lightning, the Beauty Industry's Ugly Billion Dollar Secret. Mm-hmm. Um, and in it. Well, initially, um, if you, I don't know if you all remember, but about a year or so ago, there was an ad uh, that came out, I believe in Thailand. Um, and in the ad, you saw this Thai model, her name was Chris Horwang, yeah. and she was seen with gradually darkening skin. Um, and it says, if I stop taking, no, actually the ad said, white makes you win. And she says, um. If I stop taking care of myself, everything I have worked for, the whiteness I have invested in may be lost. Well, there you go. Lost. That, I mean, that puts it just very clearly. Yeah, that's frank. What the, very frank, what the intent (laughs) is there. And if you look and you go and just look at on the continent of Africa, you see um, that according to uh, that same report, Lester Davis report, 75% of the population of Nigeria lightens their skin. 75%. 52 yeah that's staggering right but it shouldn't really be that surprising when you think about the twin evils of the um, transatlantic slave trade and colonialism that country i I mean they've been deeply impacted by that then you think about 52 to 60 percent of the senegalese population lightens their skin 59 percent of togo 25 percent in mali and 35 percent of south african women use skin lightening products devastating and the impact is just so severe now lately that they did actually ban it in kenya ghana and nigeria south africa zimbabwe and ivory coast they have joined in with banning the import of skin lightening uh, because you know they contain mercury and hydroquinone uh, which mm. actually lead to kidney fla- failure, hyperpigmentation, which I've seen that, um, which is the dark skin patches forming on the area where the product is used. So the person looks spotty, almost kind of sort of like a wow. leopard for lack of a better comparison. Wow. Uh, and there's also a risk of skin cancer because you're tearing down your melanin. I mean, your God-given melanin that actually protects you from cancer, you are like, wow. no, I do not want that. I would yeah. rather have death and whiteness than it's just a proximity to whiteness, let me say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so it breaks down the meth- melanin synthesis. And so that obviously can cause you to have um, cancer. So there's real tangible impacts uh, mm-hmm. with this, with, you know, with, with, with colorism here. So oh. that is painful to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I know I should have warned y'all. Did we put a warning on this episode? We need to put help us, God. Yeah. I just, just put a. You need to put a warning. warning on the podcast. Just put a warning on the whole podcast. Like, girl, you have to put a warning on our planning meetings. Bullet points. We're like, oh, I'm gonna read this article. It's gonna be good, and then ain't gonna tell nobody that our our family in the motherland. Yeah, y'all, it's bad. Continually ideologically oppressed. Oh my god, it's bad. It's so bad. So yeah, Yeah. y'all. I mean, I know I didn't give y'all warning. So I always do this. (laughs) (laughs) That's your. That's two strikes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love you. I love you, but I don't trust you. Oh my gosh, well look, look, this is a, think about it, now look, today is Brother Marcus Garvey's birthday. It sure is, it sure is. And he had some thoughts. He had, yes, we ready, I'm ready y'all, I'm ready, just tell me where, okay? And somebody fund my trip, because you know, life is tough. And so, just throw that in a reparation. I think it's the truth table. We're going to go global. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's truthtable at gmail.com. Oh but yes, yes, it's Marcus Garvey. This is his birthday today. Okay. Come That's on, right. Lord. Um, and so, yeah, he had some very prescient thoughts about colorism and how he saw it play out here um, in America. And so I, I know that, M, you have some, I know you got some thoughts on this and some some more receipts for us. But yeah, I wanted to bring that to the table too. Well, probably the most interesting thing that happened in uh, his development, but um, Mm -hmm. also Mm -hmm. not just in his his development, but the impact thereof, right? Because what happens with wisdom? You you either live it out 
or somebody jack you up with it. So Come on, somebody. Marcus Garvey <laughs> wanted to gain wisdom from the NAACP. And he sought after, I don't, I guess now we would call it an internship, but that back then oh, he was looking to yeah. either apprentice or even interview, just shadow. And mm. we all, we all know the, the grand W.E.B. <laughs> had <Yeah>. a few, <laughs> he had just a few um, sunken tendencies about him. Is God, that God so? bless the brother. We, we boy, so? I sure love everybody, everybody, everybody not good on everything. Yeah, you okay. Know, <laughs> look, un- unless you Jesus, you gonna have Hello. something to Hello. repent Hello. of. We keep trying to tell Hello. y'all. Uh, Hello. Said, Ain't nobody yes. more woke than Jesus. All right. Amen. <laughs> and so, yeah, he don't never slumber or sleep. Hello. So I feel that it's important to uplift Garvey and Du Bois, their, their interactions and their altercations that actually changed both yeah, of yeah. them. For instance, Garvey came hard for Du Bois and the NAACP uh, at their headquarters. Hmm. He made known uh, mm. after visiting them and writing a number of, I would call them exposés, because he, he just seemed really mad. He really was not, yeah, it, he went off. He said, when I visited the NAACP offices in New York, I was unable to tell whether I was in a white office or that <laughs> of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored you People. The plethora of white and light-skinned people on their staff, which appeared to be intentional, mm. an intentional blockade to people of darker hues was disturbing. Mm. And so Garvey didn't want anything to do with those folks. And this impacted him. It impacted him so deeply. Like, where's our, where's our family? Where is our unity? Where is my place of welcome? Literally, we have to watch who we are blocking from the table because W.E.B. eventually, and I, I really believe, even from some of his writings, at the time he knew he was wrong. He knew he was wrong for calling people full black mm-hmm. or partial black. Even in the United States, mm-hmm. he knew mm-hmm. that he was wrong and Garvey was a threat to him. Mm. Um, so the the author that you gave, um, Dr. Kendi, who you gave um, yes. the definition from earlier, he writes an incredible article about mm-hmm. how it was very obvious that Du Bois was not oblivious to the truth about colorism yes, and its yes. racial implications. Yes. It was it was disturbing, but he knew that he wanted white privilege. He knew Mm -hmm. that that's Mm -hmm. what the colorism was about. And Garvey was so deeply impacted himself, he was not completely anti-racist in this debate. In fact, Dr. Kendi writes, by 1920, Du Bois Mm -hmm. was so reeling from the rise of eugenics that when we turn and look at Garvey, he was having almost just as many problems. In fact, he is said to have hailed specifically President Warren G. Harding's comment, racial amalgamation there cannot be, which is talking Mm -hmm, about mm -hmm. procreation between black people and non-black people, Mm -hmm. or on Warren G.'s side, white people and anybody who ain't white. Mm -hmm. And Garvey absolutely believed that there was nothing pure or trustworthy about white people and that light-skinned black people who were not black, in his view, were just as untrustworthy as racist whites. Mm -hmm. So this has a deep impact on us. And I I think it's really important for us to note that there are the internalized factors of saying, one, that I don't believe light-skinned people are beautiful as black folks, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or I don't believe dark-skinned people are beautiful because they're not white enough. Mm -hmm. We have to actually begin to view both of those statements as equally deadly. Totally. We have to view them as dangerous. And totally. so that's one thing that the Du Bois and the Garvey debate hopefully will teach us. Thank you so much for bringing that in because um, yeah. that is, that no, that's that's key because it's funny, I actually, um, there was an article written by um, uh, Iona Harris, I'm sorry, Iona Harrison, PhD candidate at the University of Maryland. Her article, mm-hmm. her journal article, she's a sociologist, is skin color differences in stratification outcomes, colorism over time and across race. And this is what she actually highlights. I'm going to bring out some more receipts from her article, but um, just on that Garvey Dubois 
you know, beef, if you want to call it that. Um, yeah. This is what it says. Just call it what it is. Okay, I tried to come up with like, a euphemism. Like, you know what? Like this. <laughs> um, what it says is that colorism's existence has not only been pre- presented historically, but has gained the attention of sociologists. So numerous empirical studies reveal that greater sociological and economic achievements attain um, by light-skinned blacks. And then she goes on to actually talk about um, colorism paradox. And it's mm. and what she means by that, well, actually she cited Weaver who actually wrote about this. Uh, the color skin paradox is an unequal outcome among blacks due to a political focus on fighting racial hierarchy, which is good, we should fight that. Uh, while ignoring though, the group's internal hierarchy based on skin tone. On the basis of skin tone, there is a lack of equity within the black community. So as blacks unite together to fight injustices, the outcomes tend to disproportionately benefit those of lighter skin because of the uneven playing field within the group. From this, we see more leadership and political positions held by those of lighter skin than darker complexions. And um, and we know this. We, we talk about this around the table. We talk about this in our families. We know that this skin color paradox exists. I mean, I don't think I, I don't think I've called it that, but we we talk about that. I think we even alluded to that even with Malcolm X. And I think yeah. even he was aware yeah, sure. um, of that too. And Angela Davis, they're all aware yeah. of that that reality. Obama couldn't have been president. I don't think he could have. Yeah. My own opinion. I don't think he could have been <laughs> president mm-hmm. if he was not light biracial. He had to be like. Like it had, he had to fit these certain categories in order to become who he was, in, in, you know, uh, president. So yeah. that's my own little two cents. I ain't saying, you know, that's, you know, <laughs> but yeah. You're not so. alone in that. It's not, it's not unheard of. It's not unheard of, right? So uh, we got it. We got to We got to slay that beast, that, that colorism beast, because it really it has tangible yeah. implications, y'all. In that yeah, same... Right. In that same study, she talks about how light-skinned blacks on average earn $6,800 more than their dark-skinned counterparts. Oh, my God. Marital yeah. status does not actually change the income disparity. So, Christina, give oh. me my money. Run me <laughs> my money. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 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 Give me <laughs> my money. <laughs> But you can come here with us, though. Yeah, I'm coming. I'm okay, coming. You have to move to Grand Rapids. I'm coming. <laughs> no, it's crazy, y'all. These are real implications. Like, could, oh, so for cool. sure, for sure. Um, well, you, th- you th- well, also you think about the fact that wealth in the country is uh-huh. um, is largely an accumulated, inherited sure. um, entity. So we think about wealth, you know, in a merit in a kind of faux meritocratic society as like you work hard and pull yourself out by the bootstraps, and now uh-huh. you got money. And uh-huh. people forget like. No, your dad gave you the down payment for your house yep. or your parents paid for your yeah. tuition sure. or you don't have the same debt and you don't have the negative debt of walking in and being a person of color into an interview or whatever. Mm. And so um, all of that to say that it's more likely for people who have lighter skin, particularly folks who are you know descendants of the transatlantic slave, tra- slave sure. trade in America, mm-hmm. it is more likely that they along the way not, ho- not only have benefited from uh, more tokens of acceptability in proximity to whiteness, Mm -hmm. but also tangible, tangible tokens um, in terms of property acquisition, um, in terms of entry into different organizations along Mm -hmm. the way that have given them the ability to have a little bit more inheritance. Now, with all that being said, you know, when my neighborhood was targeted and somebody wrote, you know, die in in the middle of the street i was covering the eyes of my light-skinned children (laughs) right because because the wickedness of racism you know it gonna come for you whether you're halle Halle berry or grace jones it's gonna come for you right and so but with that being said within group we have to deal with the realities of that stratification and do our best not to buy into it Yes. And not to support it or condone it, but to call it out for the wickedness that it is mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. and to uproot it from our own hearts. But I think that what you're hitting on is is just true. It's true. It's yeah. just true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just true. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess mm-hmm. when we so I let's zoom out a bit. Well, I guess well, maybe zoom in actually I should say. Because we came from global, then we went historical, we went to America, we talked about our money. Mm-hmm. Money like that. And so <laughs> <laughs> Send the $6,800 to a candidate today. That's right. 
Right now, reparations down. Reparations down. So, um, well, can we have a whole show on repairations? Oh, we will have a whole show on repairations. Oh, no. Hallelujah. That will happen. And so, (laughs) stay tuned for a season two. Um, So, let's, what about men? What about men? We've been talking primarily, because we're women, um, about colorism and women. But what about men? And and now, when men come to mind, as of late in the press, there have been some black men that have been cutting up. And Uh-oh. so, Whoa. I have two in mind here. Uh, Gilbert Arenas, right, I know, hard to believe. Gilbert Arenas and Kodak Black. So, let me read to you what they said. I don't even know who Kodak Black is. Go ahead. Girl, <laughs> somebody, I think it's a new rapper. I don't know. I can't keep up with all these kids. It's so I'm like, I don't know. God bless you. I can't keep up with all these kids. I'm like, I don't know. Help it's them all, Holy Ghost. Help them all. I don't know. Go ahead. I don't know, y'all. I'm just, I try to be cool, but I, I'm not. I'm not cool. We're still um, recovering from the first 10 minutes. Go ahead. Come on. Exactly. You mean 30 minutes. 30, 30 minutes, minutes. Sorry about that, y'all. Sorry about that. So, look, this is what, peep this. This is what Gilbert Arena said on IG, on Instagram. Sorry, I always use this. Instagram, uh, toward the end of July, actually. So it wasn't too long ago. I think he's taken down the post since. But this is what he said. Not to be funny, but can you name a beautiful black woman on the outside? Not brown skin, which we talked about last week, but Tyrese mm. Black. When you have African mm. features, black, uh, um, if you have, when you have African features, black, then you have number one, Lupita Nyong'o. And she's cute when the lights are off. Second, you have a Juma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Second. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, yeah, yeah, sorry. I didn't. I should have. Warning. I'm sorry. That's strike three, girl. Warning for Christina. I'm sorry. Second, you have a Juma Naseyana. Sorry, but ugh. So the black beautiful woman you boost up is technically light skin or brown skin. This is what Arena said on Instagram. So now I'm issuing y'all another trigger warning because Kodak Black said some stuff on Instagram Live. (laughs) This is what he said. Kiki Kiki Palmer, she's straight. The the 20-year-old rapper said, right? He said, Mm. I bag her. Okay, so misogynistic, sexist, rape, culture, all that. Objectifying. Objectifying, all of that. Uh, But I don't really like black girls like that. Sort of, kind of. And then he went on to say that he prefers Taylor Swift and J-Lo. Oh, end quote. So that's what this literally just happened just in the, towards the end of July or the beginning of August as well. So these are two, you know, public figures, celebrities, whatever you want to call them, you know, that are well known. And of course, people came for them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, what? Yeah. What are y'all's thoughts on that? All well, of that? I can't I can't say what I'm thinking because I know people <laughs> listen to this show with their children in the room. Right. Right. <laughs> See, look at that self-restraint, Michelle. Look yes. at that. Come on, Holy Ghost. That's the Holy Spirit of God. <laughs> the gospel. <laughs> I'm trying to cling to the crucified one, Lord. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yes. See, what are your thoughts on it? Oh, thanks for that, Akimini. Um <sighs> That's so wicked. I mean, it's, very, yeah. it's so it's so it's yeah. so sad. It's so much self-hate. Um, so much just abusiveness mm-hmm. and tone. We're talking about people. We're talking about somebody made in the image of God. Like to, t- you know, to, and when we boil, this is something that we do particularly with women. We boil women down into parts. Sure. Mm. We boil mm-hmm. female identity down into into body parts, into body parts. Uh, including it's the skin. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes, come on, come on. Yeah, hello, we, you know, flashback to, you know, we talked about that objectification episode, but including our the skin, we're, we're talking we're, this this focus in this way. Um, I will say this that I think there is sometimes a, um, and this is not colorism, but this is more external because you mentioned the the the, sure. the last individual who talked about, you know, Taylor Swift and J Lo and. Mm-hmm. I mean, the truth is the vast majority of African-American men, for example, are with African-American women. So mm-hmm. sometimes we sometimes we see people mm-hmm. who are within pop culture and we think that, you know, black men are like, I don't like black women at all. Goodbye. I'm running. You know, that actually is not what's what's most common. But in a but we're looking more inwardly at specifically in group dialogue sure. and talking about the implications of colorism. I mean, I think some of what we might be seeing, I mean, there are people who are a lot wiser who do this work, who have better analysis of this than, than I do. But just off the cuff, what I would say is that um, 
Proximity to whiteness can be obtained in a variety of ways. And one way to do that, one way to do it, is to attempt to, to date it, to embody it. Um, and, and, and to be validated by it, right? So to have someone who, is, who represents the external group who, is, um, who adores you, right, when you're in a racist system, but says like, you know, no, but, but you're great, <laughs> right? In some ways, that person may be embodying, representing all of whiteness, yeah. um, affirming the identity. So that's just, that's just, that's just one yeah. theory I'm playing around with in mm -hmm. my head. But ultimately, I mean, we know this goes way, way, way back. And, um, and we have certainly seen a history of, for black men, of looking at white women and women who look white as forbidden the forbidden fruit, right, sure, sure. Mm -hmm. of society, oh, and how that, you know, and how that, how that plays out, right? And so, um, I, I just think it's so unfortunate. I, I wish we were at a place that we were, we were healthy, um, yes. and self-loving, right. and, and community-loving, and God-loving mm -hmm. enough that people could look at each other and see all these pieces of the creativity of our beauty and say, oh, this beautiful, you know, uh, dark-skinned woman with these deep almond eyes and this beautiful copper-toned woman with, you know, whatever, sure, you know, sure. I wish we could do it, but we, but unfortunately, we're, we're not there because um, when you commoditize yeah. a people, when you yeah. sell a people, and you sell their parts, well, you, you begin to d develop an economic system that now gets played out, it's, got, it's gotten internalized, mm -hmm. about who has more value and who doesn't have more value. And just like, for example, the cost for a lighter skinned slave yes. was yeah. higher, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, we still we still see this playing out even now. We even see this playing out. Quite frankly, this is probably going to rile some people up in the adoption system, right? So when we oh, think yeah. about what type of children are most desired, you know, at one point there was a, a really high desire for biracial children specifically, mm -hmm. and I think that's because there's there's a a mythological exoticness that yeah. we project onto biracial children at times. Um, yeah. um, and there's certainly lots of theory and belief systems about that for the last 200 years, almost looking at biracial children as if they have magical powers or they can mm -hmm. unite the races, right? The burden and pressure that are put on those dear children. So um, anyway, that's just me rambling about that. But I, yeah. just to say that it yeah, goes, it, go, it goes deep. It goes deep. Yeah, it it's deep. The it impact really is so deep. Mm. It is. Yeah. And the testimony is it's on us, you know, like we yeah. like we've been saying it, it really is on us. What mm -hmm. what have we done in the house yeah, that yeah, yeah. has made it seem like we we can't bear to confront the mess of the world? And is it because uh, the mess of the world is the thing that is keeping the walls on our house, is keeping us comfortable in the house. I can't mm. confront colorism at my workplace because the gospel of work and labor and the ethic of mm -hmm. playing nice that my preacher told me about prevents me from standing up in the face of a lie. Mm. I can't confront colorism in my children um, mm. because the quote-unquote gospel of being kind or not disrupting or not correcting. I, I don't want to mess with that. You know, doing the right thing has is become equal, I think, to mm. we don't know what love is anymore. I mean, to love is now to shield and to cover rather than to expose yeah. and to confront. Yeah. Mm. I'm, I'm so confused. Mm. Uh, we have We have kids in our churches right now, so many of us have kids in our churches that think Jesus was white. They just think yeah, he, they yeah. just would tell you that. Yeah. I mean, right. it's a real, it's a real quote I have heard far too many times mm. in my lifetime. I ain't 40 yet. Mm -hmm. And I know mm -hmm. seven to 12 year olds, three year olds to 20 year olds who just, you have to, re you have to remind them that Jesus was not white. You have to. Yeah. You have and to. And this is a this is a greater burden on the household that God has called right. to be bound together, to be built into his dwelling place. And my friends, I don't I don't think it's going to work out if we don't face each other and recognize that the Lord made 
dark-skinned people dark-skinned. That he made them. That he made light-skinned people beautiful. That he made the beauty. That he is renewing and redeeming all of the things that sin has corrupted. Mm-hmm. But one of those things is not the color of our skin. Hello. And so those who would say only focus on sin, only focus on sin, um, we, we don't understand that a major impact of sin is that we only focus on skin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the only way for us to reverse that is to acknowledge the truth about what God has done to our skin for the sake of his mosaic beauty and i i think we will i mean we know we will be judged much more harshly with how we represent christ Mm. yeah we got to deal with this stuff i mean it it, i think it really does help for us to see the scriptures in their actual cultural context (laughs) amen i know that sounds like a radical people look at that like that's somehow somehow radical or that's actually not orthodox that's actually very orthodox it's very orthodox why why are you taking the God's word and, and not hearing the the initial intended audience, why are we not able to see them in our mind's eye, in their actual cultural context, in the clothes that they're in, in the way that they, in, in the shoes or, or no shoes they would have had on their feet, what those dusty roads would have looked like, what, what, that, what that woman's hair would have looked like as she used it to wash the Lord's feet, right? Yeah, that helps the us to see that they don't want in this country. That's why. That's right. And they have to do something about that. That's right. And we require something of them. They can't look yeah. at that. They have to yeah. craft a lie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in but that they, those, the they's, you know, certainly we can look to white supremacy, but also our own, in, kind of our in-community group, right? Absolutely. For Absolutely. us to see, for us to see the Ethiopian eunuch, for us to see him Amen. in our mind's Amen. eye, for us to see Simon of Cyrene yeah. in our mind's eye, for us to see yeah. um, Jesus, to see the Lord high in the skin that he's in, for us to see these people, right, and and to be reminded that this is this is the this is our our God and our Lord who will pull yeah. together a beautiful mosaic of people of every tribe and nation and tongue. Mm-hmm. Note, I did not say every race. <laughs> I said every tribe, nation, and, tongue. and ethnicity is what we're talking about here and not racial stratification. Um, but, but God looking out. And this is, why, this is why I've checked myself through the years about if people would approach me as a person who has lighter skin and say things like, oh, you know, um, this is this assumed this ascribed beauty just because of lighter skin and um and i had all kinds of ways i would respond to it It would be very very offensive to me like really offensive and i've had to work Mm. on my core issues about why that offends me Mm. and and what does that say to what does that communicate to other people for example who are biracial am i lacking love when i respond the way that i do um and so all of those that that all takes work and that all takes vulnerability. But when you have a God who has paid the price for your soul, you yeah. can be vulnerable. When you have a God who says, repenting is running to me, and I yeah. am the father who's been looking long off, long off for you as you've returned home, then you can come to the Lord and say, search me, God. Search me, God. Because mm-hmm. we're running back to a God who has open arms. Amen. And the gospel is so big. It is so big. And it calls us to self-interrogation. We all have to do it. All of us have to do it. I think continually still we have to, I think we have those impulses, you know, where it's like, "Eh, nope. We all have to, nobody, nobody at this table has arrived, you know, and so. (laughs) No. (laughs) We have not arrived. I mean, if you listen to this podcast, you should know by now we ain't arrived. (laughs) (laughs) You should know to pray for us continually. We are our own receipts. Oh my gosh. No, but you know what? Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Because this, I think this was really important. I'm glad that we finally did do this episode for our listeners. I really am glad. Uh, You know, we pushed it off because it's hard. Nobody wants to talk. It's a shameful topic. It's a hurtful topic. Um, But you know what? The Lord, now we've brought it into the light. 
you know, and let's, let's look at God's redeeming power and see what he's going to do, um, as a result of, of, of the fact that we've opened up and been honest about where we are, um, with it. So thank y'all. Thank y'all for sharing about what's going on with Charlottesville, what's going on in your hearts, um, regarding colorism and, and just, yeah, thank you for sharing all of the, the info and your insights on this very important topic. And of course, we want to thank our listeners um, for I sitting know. with us at the table, bearing with us, I should say. <laughs> uh, oh, tissues. Thank you. Thank you for bearing with us. We did give y'all an hour long episode now. See, because this is why we say we say Sorry. we don't want to go for an hour. Because we never know we're gonna have, we don't know what's going to happen. It, it was two episodes in one, to be honest. <laughs> it was really two. We took a nap. <laughs> but thank y'all. Seriously, thank y'all for sitting at the table with us. Of course, let's keep the conversation going. You guys can tweet us um, using the hashtag TruthTable at uh, TruthTable on Twitter and on Instagram at TruthTable. Or you can email us your thoughts at asktruthstable at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on the Satchel Podcast Player. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath, and our executive producer is Bo York. Special thanks to the Reformed African American Network and Pottery Studios. We have been your hosts, Ekemini, Michelle, and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all.